Chapter 1. The Northwest Passage, the Yoa Expedition, 1903-1907, to Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Stephen Seidel. The Northwest Passage, Volume 1, by Roald Amundsen. Chapter 1. Introduction From the days when the Phoenician sailors groped along the coasts of the Mediterranean, in the early dawn of civilization and up to the present time, explorers have ever forged their way across unknown seas and through dark forests, sometimes slowly and with centuries of intermission, at other times with giant strides, as when the discovery of America and the great voyages round the world dispersed clouds of ignorance and prejudice even in reference to the globe itself. We all know that many explorers have been impelled by the desire for riches which they thought awaited them in unknown lands and seas. In fact, it may be said of the majority of expeditions that they would never have been undertaken had it not been for the stimulus of some purely material object or expectation but the history of that branch of exploration whose goal has been the eternal ice under the poles shines forth with a bright and pure splendor of its own not only with the luster of the white snowfields and strange celestial signs of the arctic region but also with that of true and untainted idealism if we accept fishing or hunting expeditions pure and simple to which in fact polar exploration owes a very great debt of gratitude we may safely assume that even the most extravagant flight of imagination has never led anyone to penetrate the arctic regions in the hope of finding gold and green woods it is in the service of science that these numerous and incessant assaults have been made upon what is perhaps the most formidable obstacle ever encountered by the inquisitive human spirit that barrier of millennial if not primeval ice which in a wide and compact wall enshrouds the mysteries of the North Pole. In spite of all the tragic calamities, the sad failures and bitter disappointments, these assaults have been repeatedly waged and as repeatedly renewed and are still being renewed to this day. And this dogged perseverance, if it has not yet quite reduced the fortress, has at least forced its gates ajar and gained a glimpse into the far distant mysteries lying beyond them. A mighty breach was made in the ice rampart when Nordenskjold achieved the northeast passage and wrenched the Asiatic continent from its grasp. A generation earlier, Franklin and the Franklin expeditions had proved that a strip of open sea bathed the whole coast of North America, and many are the other breaches made by skilled and hardy polar explorers who have essayed to tear away the dark veil of mystery enshrouding the north. Heavy have been the sacrifices made to achieve this end, and none more heroic than those made on the Northwest Passage. Perhaps no tragedy of the polar ice has so deeply stirred mankind as that of Franklin and his crew, stirred them not simply to sorrow, but also to stubborn resumption of the struggle. We knew that there was a sea passage around northern America, but we did not know whether this passage was practicable for ships, and no one had ever yet navigated it throughout. 
this unsolved question agitated above all the minds of those who from their childhood had been impressed by the profound tragedy of the franklin expedition just as the vega had to navigate the entire passage to the east so our knowledge as to this strip of open sea to the west must remain inadequate until this passage also has been traced from end to end by one ship's keel the little ship to whose lot this task fell was the yoa little was it dreamt when she was being built for a herring boat in the rosendahl shipyard on the hardanger that she was to achieve this triumph though it is hard to say what they do not dream of up there in the fjords nor did any such dream ever enter the mind of her future skipper when the story of john franklin first captivated his imagination as a boy of eight or nine years old yet the imagination of a boy offers a very wide scope may thirtieth eighteen eighty nine was a red-letter day in many a scandinavian boy's life certainly it was in mine it was the day when fritjof nansen returned from his greenland expedition the young norwegian ski-runner came up the christiania fjord on that bright sunny day his erect form surrounded by the halo of universal admiration at the deed he had accomplished the miracle the impossible that may day the fjord celebrated its most beautiful spring revels the town was radiant with decorations the people held high holiday that day i wandered with throbbing pulses amid the bunting and the cheers and all my boyhood's dreams reawoke to tempestuous life for the first time something in my secret thoughts whispered clearly and tremulously if you could make the northwest passage then came the year eighteen ninety three and nansen sailed again i felt i must go with him but i was too young and my mother bade me stay at home and go on with my lessons and i stayed my mother passed away and for a time my affection for her memory struggled to keep me faithful to her wish but at last it gave way no bond could restrain my yearning to pursue the object of my old and only desire i threw up my studies and decided to start the long training for the goal i had set before me that of becoming an arctic explorer in eighteen ninety four i engaged as an ordinary seaman on board the old magdalena of turnsburg and went out seal hunting on the polar sea this was my first encounter with the ice and i liked it time passed my training progressed and from eighteen ninety seven to eighteen ninety nine i took part as mate in the belgian antarctic expedition under adrian de gerlaca it was during this voyage that my plan matured i proposed to combine the dream of my boyhood as to the northwest passage with an aim in itself of far greater scientific importance that of locating the present situation of the magnetic north pole as soon as i got home i confided my project to my friend askel s steen under director at the meteorological institute in fact i did not know myself whether the object which i had set myself was of sufficient importance he speedily convinced me that it was with a card of introduction from steen i went to hamburg to submit my project to the greatest authority of the day in terrestrial magnetism privy councillor professor dr g von neumeyer at that time director of the deutsche seewarte or german marine observatory as i unfolded my project 
the amiable old gentleman's interest grew until in the end he actually beamed with rapture and for some time i received instruction at the deutsche seawarta under his personal direction at last the great day arrived when the project was to be submitted to fritjof nansen i think it is mark twain who tells of a man who was so small that he had to go twice through the door before he could be seen but this man's insignificance was nothing compared to what i felt on the morning i stood in nansen's villa at lysaker and knocked at the door of his study come in said a voice from inside and then i stood face to face with a man who for years had loomed before me as something almost superhuman the man who had achieved exploits which stirred every fibre of my being from that moment i date the actual realization of the yoa expedition nansen approved of my plans but of course that was not everything for a polar expedition i wanted money and at that time i had very little what i had at my disposal was barely sufficient to provide a vessel and scientific instruments so the only plan was to go round to all who were likely to take an interest in the enterprise this was running the gauntlet in a fashion i would not willingly repeat however i have many bright and pleasant memories from those days of men who encouraged me and gave me all the support they could i have also other memories of those who thought they were infinitely wiser than their fellow-creatures and had the right to criticize and condemn whatever others undertook or proposed to undertake but let me put aside the dark memories and dwell only on the brighter professor nansen was indefatigable in this matter as in all others my three brothers helped me assiduously in my hard task i first procured scientific instruments then it came to the vessel my choice fell on the yacht yoa hailing from tromso she was built as i have already said at rosendahl on the hardanger in eighteen seventy two her owner was captain osborne sexa of haugesund after she had been used for many years as a herring boat along the coast she was sold in the eighties to captain h c johansen of tromso and sailed the polar sea for some years she was not spared there but had ample opportunities of proving herself an uncommonly well-built boat when i purchased the yoa in 1901 i had her fitted out for a summer voyage in the polar sea so that i might test her and learn to handle her i had never been on board a yacht and was quite unaccustomed to handling so small a craft the voyage turned out to my complete satisfaction the yoa behaved splendidly under all conditions of course it was necessary to make a number of improvements before she undertook her proposed long voyage most of these were carried out at the tromso shipyard and i owe my deepest gratitude to the works for the extreme conscientiousness with which everything was done in may nineteen o two the yoa hoisted her flag and bade farewell to what for many years had been her home port I put in to Trondheim to have the necessary ironwork on board executed at the engineering works of Isidore Nielsen. Petroleum tanks were built to the shape of the boat. Our little motor, a 13 horsepower of the Dan type, which was connected to everything that could possibly be driven with its aid, was easy to work and practical in every part. The motor was the pet of everyone on board. When it was not working, we seemed to miss a good comrade. 
I may say that our successful negotiation of the Northwest Passage was very largely due to our excellent little engine. In the spring of 1903, the Yo was berthed alongside the Fremnes at Christiania to take in stores and provisions. The large, peculiarly built provision boxes were stowed and closely packed like children's bricks in a box. So neatly was this done that we found space on our little Yoa for food and equipment enough and to spare for five years. In the very important work of supplies, I received invaluable help from Professor Sophus Torup. All our hermetically sealed goods, which were ready in October 1902, were tested and examined by him. All our pemmican, both for men and dogs, was prepared by Sergeant Petter Ristvelt under Professor Torp's supervision, as was also the fish meal. In May 1903, the Yoa lay ready for departure, and all who were to take part in the expedition assembled. Their names were 1. First Lieutenant Godfred Hansen, born in Copenhagen in 1876. He was second in command of the expedition. During his term of service in the Danish Navy, he had made four voyages to Iceland and the Faroes and was warmly interested in polar exploration. He was navigator, astronomer, geologist, and photographer. 2. Anton Lund, first mate, born in Tromso in 1864. He had served for many years as skipper and harpoonist on the Arctic Sea. 3. Peter Ristvet, born in Sands Fayer in 1873, took part as assistant on my trial trip with the Yoa in 1901. He was our meteorologist and first engineer. 4. Helmer Hansen, second mate, born in Vesterallen in 1870, had served for many years in the Arctic Sea. 5. Gustav Ewell Wick, born in Horton in 1878. He had been trained at the Magnetic Observatory in Potsdam and was my assistant for magnetic observations. He was second engineer. 6. Adolf Henrik Lindstrom, born in Hammerfest in 1865, was cook to the expedition. He had served as cook in the Fram's second expedition. As we had further financial troubles to face, it was not until June that all was settled and we were able to board our little craft and start our voyage, and, following in the track of our predecessors, try to accomplish our task in the interest of human knowledge. End of chapter 1